if you were a character in a book, which book would you want to live in? Kama Sutra. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Beat Around the Bench podcast, a podcast about woodworking, good times, and general jackassery. With your hosts, Jess of Jess Builder, Colton of Cold Crit, and Ross of RNC Woodworking and Design. You can find us all on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Now for episode 30, Invasion USA. Today we have a special guest, Mr. Ryan Cochran, an Olympic kayaker turned woodworker and the second most impressive Canadian to date. Ryan? <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Who's the first? I mean, the That's great one. What? The great one. Jim this Carrey? True. Yep, Jim Carrey is really who we're talking about. John Candy, also up in there. John Candy. Ryan Reynolds yeah. is pretty up there in that list. There you go. He's getting up there really quick. Yeah. I was, I was uh, thinking I, Wayne I'd Gretzky, but Ryan. Um, but Ryan Reynolds, also fun. Both <laughs> named Ryan, so we'll go with it. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, first and foremost, thank you for coming on the show, sir. It's a pleasure. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Heck, yeah. Big number 30. 3-0. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. We've literally only missed like two weeks uh, uh, since Maker Camp. So, uh, not Maker Camp. Um, Workman's Work Camp. Yeah. I don't even know where we met. It's been that long. So, uh, <laughs> Ryan, uh, could you kind of fill us in, give us a little bit of uh, a history as to how you wound up here? Oof. Yeah. It's a, it could be a long story. It can be short story. So I'm going to give you the short one. Okay. Um, I was a kid and my father got me into scouts. Uh, we did a lot of hunting, camping and fishing. So I, I was really connected with the woods and, and obviously nature. And, um, he, he got me into kayaking because obviously as a Canadian hockey is a big sport, but it was, it became kind of expensive. So my parents didn't want really, really me to get into hockey. My mom was a little bit worried about being it being a little bit kind of too aggressive. Did she want you to go into Canada's time. national sport lacrosse? <laughs> no, not that either. Cause that's oh. even more aggressive. Oh. But, um, I, I was small when I was, when I was young, um, I'm not a big guy now, but uh, I was very little compared to back then sports. The guys were ginormous. Um, so she thought, I'll put him in kayaking. Um, little did she understand that kayaks are, you know, around $5,000 or more each. <laughs> uh, the paddles, the, uh, they were, they turned out to be about $500. And, that, <laughs> and I now have like 27 of them. Um, so it kind of, it kind of was, it, it didn't really backfire, but, um, I got into that. I continued in scouts and, and I took off with my athletic career. Um, all the, all the while my dad and I connecting together on some woodworking projects in the dirt floor basement of our house. So we made a dog sled. That was one of the first big projects I remember. And then years later I looked back and I, I always tell that story we didn't have a dog. I was about to ask, did you have any dog? We, we, we didn't, we, we had a, we had a dog, we had a border collie, but it wasn't really a dog sled dog. Um, and we only, only had one. So I realized that he just wanted to find a project to spend time with me on. And that's when I realized, okay, woodworking is more about connections than it is about 
actual project you're working on. So I had a lot of fun on that project. We did steam bending and we did, you know, we screwed things together. We glued things together. So that was amazing. Um, but my, my, my athletic career took off, uh, slowly. Um, and, uh, he followed me as well as my mother. They both followed me on this, on this journey. So I ended up actually competing at two Olympic games, which Olympics? Um, it, 2012 in London and 2016 in Rio. Um, for nine years straight, I was top 10 in the world. All in right. The, in, the, in the tandem double kayak, over 200 meters. Front so or it back? Was quite, it, was a, it was a sprint. and um, But I, I competed in all the different distances throughout, throughout my years since I was a young kid. So uh, I learned a lot through sport. And now I'm transferring that into my business, which I, when I retired, I decided I was going to work for a person. I worked my butt off. I was working 12 hour days, trying to save as much money as I could to start my own business. Turns out I ended up making a table for a guy. I, I encased some, some hunting antlers into a uh, river table. He loved it so much. He, he bought a couple different things. Uh, at that time it was our biggest client. And, um, the previous owner was selling, which I didn't know. And he was a sole proprietor at the time. And when he sold, the next owner decided to bring me along as the manager of production. So that's currently where I'm at. Now I'm a part owner in that company, making tables and other furniture, um, large item furniture out of, um, solid wood mostly slabs um, we do river tables we don't just do river tables we do also just regular slabs we do um, solid wood uh, cabinetry stuff like that so all large ticket items for the most part right now we've done some small cutting boards here and there for clients but um, it's not really our go-to thing that's kind of what I do at home in my personal shop because not only is woodworking my business it's also my hobby all right all right um, I got a quick question on these slabs. Uh, you're doing, do y'all get a lot of like, you're doing like a lot of walnut and maple up there. Um, and, cause you're in, you're in Quebec, right? Yes, I am in Quebec. Yeah. Quebecois. Right. Quebecois. And where you, that's where you Maine were a scout and you grew up over there. No, I actually grew up in Nova Scotia out on the East coast. Um, okay. Uh, so I'm actually an Anglophone. I don't, I'm not really that great in French, but my work ethic has, overcame all of the language barriers, which is kind of another interesting thing. It's a, it's, it's a good way to tell people that, you know, if you really want to work hard and make a name for yourself, um, you can overcome all the little things that seem like barriers. Yeah. Uh-huh. But awesome. funny enough, you said, uh, <laughs> That's about all I got. <laughs> the funny thing, funny thing, thing you said uh, is uh, maple and walnut. And we do have a lot of maple here, a ton, a ton of maple birch, um, Walnut is more from Southern Ontario. There are a few walnut trees here, but it's a little bit too cold in Quebec because we're a little bit more north. We're just north of Maine um, and a little bit of Vermont. So um, we actually import our wood from Thailand. A lot of our wood comes from, from as acacia from Thailand or um, perota from uh, Costa Rica. Nice. We talked we, about acacia, what was it, last week or two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was our, our wood of the week. Yeah. Nice. So let's let's dive in real quick into a little bit of the the Olympic side of things. So, what age were you when you retired from kayaking? 
I was 35. And up to that point, you had been putting in, I'm assuming, traditional Olympian hours, which means you're putting in at least eight hours of training, six to eight per day, almost every day, it was, right? It was a, it was probably an average of six because we usually took Sundays off. So it was an average of six hours a day. Um, if you don't want to include rest as part of the regiment, um, yeah, it would be, we would do a, we would pretty much, it would, the, the schedule was Monday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday looked about the same where it was a, was a, an on water session when we could, obviously when we were in, we spent most of our lives in Florida. Um, and then when we were not in Florida, we'd be back here in Canada when it was nice and warm, but we would, um, we would, we would do a around a two hour session on the water in the morning, a gym session for about an hour or a um, like a run or something like that. And another type of uh, cardio uh, gym three to four times a week. And then Tuesday, the same thing. And every afternoon would be a, a, another on water session with the exception of Wednesday and Saturday. We would have those afternoons off. But sometimes we'd try to squeeze in three workouts in a half half day, so that we'd have a little bit more rest period. So it was it was very very um, intensive. Uh, so was that back, was that your full time, or were you also working on that, top of that? That was my full time. Um, I was going to school on top of that, though. Um, so I actually have a psychology degree. Um, funny enough, All right. uh, I, I I don't I don't traditionally use it. It does come in handy uh, when dealing with crazy customers. Employees. Oh, um, I don't I do <laughs> I deal with customers, but typically when I deal with them, I I don't really get crazy ones. They they usually love me, and and you know because I explain to them what they can and cannot do and why. And I'm I, I'm I'm actually I feel like I'm pretty good with them. I haven't I haven't had any crazy ones yet. Um, you have difficult ones, but usually the difficult ones are willing to pay the extra money. Uh, mm-hmm. so they're not really difficult. They're more particular is the best way I would describe that. That's so fair. if you want to be particular, you can get paid for it and they have no issue. Um, that being said, there's, there's been those type of clients in the business that I have to deal with, um, behind the scenes, uh, but directly no, um, when I'm, when I'm designing a project. So I, I usually deal with the very, very like customized projects personally, um, the standardized ones, uh, no. So a little example of how much we do, um, right before I came to maker camp, we did 33 tables that week month. No, that month. Good Lord. Um, that's custom. Wow. That's cust- That's custom tables. Um, we also import, we are, uh, we import directly our furniture from India and resell it as well. So we have, uh, over there, we 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 make sure that there's um, good quality control. So we we will go over there and make sure that the people that are making the furniture and the the the, the factories are are well set up, and then we resell those items on such platforms as Wayfair, Home Depot, Rona, Reno, um, all of these types of things. Uh, also to wholesale clients across the board. So we do a lot of wholesale. Okay. Um, so that allows us to do the fun, interesting, crazy projects with the just ridiculous epoxy here and there um, without having to worry and stress about making the, the, the payments the next month, you know? Okay. Yeah. So my question 
tying back to the Olympic side, if your day was that regimented and you filled up as much of it all the way through the weekends, number one, how have you adjusted both mentally and physically from not being on that training schedule? And then number two, what are you doing to fill up all the quote unquote free time, if you will, that isn't full of all the training? So when I, when I retired, it wasn't, it wasn't the retirement I, you know, you dream of like winning an Olympic gold medal and then walking away. Um, I was in the final in both Olympics. So that, that was a great career. Um, but I basically got injured, um, had a race where I had, uh, bronchitis, uh, Mm. and I, was dealing with politics of being an old athlete and, and they kind of want to push you out. Uh, all of this kind of at the same time. And this is, this is not an abnormal thing. Um, especially in amateur sports. Like, you know, I was not a professional. I was not making a lot of money. I was barely making poverty. Um, so it, it kind of came to the point where I, you know, I had two kids. So I said, uh, all right, I have to make a decision. I made a decision with my wife after the 2016 Olympics. And I said, all right, am I going to keep going or not? She said, well, if you're going to keep going, you're going for four years. It's a, it's a, it's an Olympic cycle or nothing. And if it, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So I ended up, you know, I ended up uh, saying, why that's, that's it. There's no, uh, I, I, I knew I can't come back from this. You know, I, I, I'm halfway through the season. I'm not going to get on the team, not going to get money. Um, cause it's year athlete, you're paid year to year basis. That's it. So I said, I have to figure something out. I have to, I have to feed my kids. And so I sit on the couch and this is no word of a lie. I sit on the couch for about a week drinking beer. Sounds awesome. What the, what the hell am I going to do? No. Well, yeah. Awesome. It was kind of, it was kind of cool. Cause it's like, okay, I've never done that before because as an athlete, I didn't. And I, and I figured like oh, all of a sudden this job opportunity pops up. And it was working with Live Edge Labs. So I said, yeah, okay, let's do this. So I, I, I applied. But, you know, this is an English guy in a French area. And the guy messaged me back in English and says, are you available for an interview? I said, oh, well, absolutely. So I went in. He said, well, when basically at the end of the interview, he's like, when can you work? He was all excited to have an Olympian on his team. And here I am thinking, I'm going into the shop like this. It's going to have all the festival items. It's going to have all these high-end woodworking <laughs> I walked in, they were using Makita Sanders and a Makita uh, uh, hand planer, electric hand planer to flatten mm-hmm. slabs. Wow. They're doing the hand. <laughs> the no dust on the wall, anything. the dust on the wall, no word of a lie, was an inch thick. Right. And they had, they had four inch dust collection systems hooked up to their small sander. So I was like, this isn't working. You know, the CFM just... So I immediately was like, okay, well, keep your mouth shut a little bit, but we're going to change some stuff. They were using flooring epoxy for the tables. Um, <laughs> it was yellow. You know, it was yellow. It was full of bubbles. It was just horrible. Um, but they were selling tables. So I'm like, okay, so this is working. So let's, let's change the quality. And it worked. So I started changing everything and... Um, with the owner's permission, obviously I did everything properly and I, I, I made suggestions to him and he was all for it. Eventually he was just like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to take this any further. Uh, and that's when we, we moved on. Um, 
but basically I kind of was like feeling sorry for myself a little bit. And I said, all right, enough's enough. Let's do something. Heck yeah. And, and you know, a by little the bootstraps, bit by, baby. The, by the bootstraps, but a little bit by the grace of God, all of a sudden this opportunity arose. But the, 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 the most thing, the, the most important thing is that I, that I accepted that opportunity and I capitalized on it. And a lot, I think a lot of people would be like, Oh, maybe it's not for me. And I don't know, just try it, just do it see if it's going to be for you. And, and it was, and then here I am now a, a part owner in the company and, and making tables for a living. So yeah, you still I, use I, those Makita Sanders or <laughs> not anymore, man. I, I have a Makita Sanders. I, uh, I do have a question for you, uh, but not to change the subject though. Um, but so you were training for, you know, six hours a day and doing all these things as an Olympian. What did you eat? What was your like everything regimen? I could man? And that's a funny <laughs> thing. No, it sounds funny, but um, my sport was a little bit different than some other sports. So my my sport was very very heavy on um, the all the different systems: aerobic, anaerobic, lactate. Um, we did everything. So you, you were kind of like always taxed. There was no rest in your system. You were always using all the different systems in your body. So I would, and I hated that. I hated that, man. I, I was eating like over 5,000 calories a day and still trying to keep weight on my, my just, bones. Just anything? Um, Ooh, high protein? I, mean, uh, I have the well, same we, we problem, were, Ryan. <laughs> I, I don't have that problem anymore. Mm. But we used to, so here, here's, here's our eating regimen. We would wake up in the morning and I would eat, I would eat usually like something. In the end, I was kind of eating like, a, I made my, home, my own homemade yogurt. Um, so I would eat that yogurt with like berries and, um, hemp seeds and, you know, all that stuff that's good. You put some granola in there. I did put granola, uh, hemp seeds, granola, and, um, uh, uh, chia seeds, chia seeds. So now, now you're going to see the real, the real athlete in, in most people, uh, the next meal after that. So then I would go do the workout. As soon as we got back, we would go to a bagel shop and eat egg cheese and buy the bagel then go to the gym get back home usually eat leftovers from the night before for lunch do our next workout we come home and we'd make a good dinner usually like pasta or uh, whatever uh, chicken and broccoli and rice or whatever it was and then after that (laughs) we would usually go to mcdonald's for the dollar cheeseburgers um (laughs) And there you go. Just, so I mean, it wasn't every that. night. It wasn't every night, but it was usually there was like a, a snack or like you would have some chips or you would have something in the night to just fill up those extra You're void just calories all the time. Yeah. No, I was never hungry, but I knew I had to eat because it was, you were always just full. It just felt like you were always full of food. Now I, 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 I guess I just got used to it. I'm never full, um, and typically I only eat one meal a day now. Um, Hmm. And I'm never hungry, and I work all day physically. Uh, yeah, I eat a big meal, but sometimes you know, I, I, on the weekends, I, I'm the cook in my family, so I cook dinner every night. But I will, I will on the weekends eat two to three meals a day uh, because I'm cooking for all the kids, so I eat with them. And but uh, I, I, I eat when I need to eat hmm. now, and I, I monitor my weight not as a person that needs to gain or lose weight but just to make sure that I'm taking in the right amount of calories because I got so sick and tired of eating so much that 
it sounds funny, and I, but I love food as a culture. So when I travel, like one of the most important things for me is to to in, engulf myself in the in the culture and eat their food and, and understand their culture through the food because I think that's the easiest way to most people's hearts. Yeah, food, well, music. drink their beer too. Drink their yeah. beer. Drink mm-hmm. their scotch. Drink their scotch, or at least their whiskey. It's not all scotch. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. correct. Yes. You you mean you drink other things than scotch? Yeah, <laughs> there are times. Yeah. So, uh, so everything but vodka. Yeah. No, I did that too. But uh, yeah. so getting into your woodworking it. side, <laughs> obviously, if you're pumping out 33 tables in a month, you are crazy busy, and you're doing a lot of live edge kind of stuff, a lot of slab work. Do you have a favorite piece that you've built year to date or project to date thus far? So I just delivered a table. Um, so we have this, um, it's kind of, it's, it's like a hardware store, but it's only in Quebec. Uh, but they're very, very big in Quebec. Quebec is like, I want to kind of compare it a little bit to like Key West where it's like, it's, it's, it's inclusive. Um, are you in, I don't know if you've ever are you been in there, Quebec city. I'm in Quebec city. Okay. Yep. Um, but in Quebec, the, so we, when I say Quebec, usually we mean the, the city, but the province of Quebec has this hardware store called Kanak. And um, the owners, they sell a lot of, like, I don't want to say cheap things, but affordable things. Um, and a lot of people go there. Uh, hardware, tools, they sell all the Makita, they sell all the uh, Milwaukee, they sell everything, DeWalt, they, you know, they sell all that stuff too. Uh, lumber, everything. It's, it's basically like a Home Depot, but a, a Quebec version. We still have Home Depot. But they do a very good job. And um, so the owners actually came into the store and um, they wanted a table. They wanted two tables, actually. I'm working on, right now, I'm working on a very big uh, 11 foot walnut river table, live edge with a clear river in the middle. And we just oh. poured the lot, like we just, we just poured it today. So, you know, fingers crossed, I'm going to go in tomorrow and there's no problem with the exotherm because we have a special room for that that takes the temperature down to uh, 15 degrees Celsius to be able to do big pours. Um, wow. And all HDPH molds. But, what, but the, uh, what, the what table, is that um, uh, Fahrenheit? Fif- 15 Fahrenheit. Somewhere in the low 60s. Yeah, low 60s? 60s. Yeah. Really? Just give me... Yeah, somewhere in 15C, it is 59 degrees. See? Perfect. Yeah. So very um, nice. That that's a great when you're really pouring a big one because you don't want to you don't want to get it's all it's all about you know, epoxy companies say, oh, you can pour it up to two inches thick. Depends on your critical mass. You can pour it up to six inches thick if it's a very small pour. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's another story. But this table I delivered, it 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 showed up on my Instagram and I was driving I used to hunt and I used to fish a lot and now I don't have a lot of time for that, but I really enjoy the woods. Like I said before, we drove this table that was, um, eight feet by about roughly 42 to 48 with, cause it was live out on the outside, but it was, a, it had just epoxy everywhere. So it was an acacia table. It had massive cracks and holes. It was, there was so much character to this thing. We, and I did, um, farmhouse style legs and ash and i stained them a walnut stain which does not look like walnut it actually looks like acacia it's very close to that that and i delivered that 
with the president of the company, we were going down this dirt road for about 40 minutes, you know, bouncing around. We put it in their, their, their private, it's on a private land, um, private hunting area. And these people were just so humble and so accepting and wonderful clients. A little bit particular for one of their things, but the other one, not so bad. And when we looked at this piece in that house, I was like, wow, uh, this was something. This was really something. So um, clear epoxy, and that's tricky. If anybody out there has ever done clear epoxy, yeah. they yeah. know that, you know, when you're doing, you, know, you can have a fly land in that. You can have dust fall in it. You can have anything. There's too many variables mm -hmm. in clear epoxy to go yeah. wrong. Bubble and it just turned out, out wood. Yeah. bubbles coming out of the wood. No, we seal everything, but you even, you can't, I mean, all those little cracks and crevices, you can't really seal in all the time. So um, we, we, we ended up, um, uh, it turned out perfect and we were really excited and happy about that, uh, that table. And, and I think the delivery for me too, with those clients and everything that, that's, that was, that was a total pack in there. Yeah, sure. So what kind of epoxy are you using? You on the total boat train? Um, I'm not on the total boat train. I really enjoy using total boat. Obviously. Um, if you see me at maker camp, um, they, they currently don't distribute in Canada. So it's kind of a little bit difficult mm. to get it here. They, they can ship it here, but it's quite expensive. So eventually they, they're, I think they're looking into it. Um, but I've used a couple different epoxies. I've used login, old login two, old login. That's Jake from Arkansas. Um, that's a great epoxy. I really like that. I've never tried that. Um, you said old login, old login. Um, uh, and I really enjoyed it. I've been using that for, I was using that for years before that I used Chemtech. before that I was using, um, a different, different epoxy that that's, it's only in Canada. And then now I, I'm using ice as well. Ice epoxy. Uh, but I, you know, I have people giving me epoxy all the time to test through the business and, um, you know, I, I find them all good for certain things. So exactly yeah. really the, here, the, 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 at the end of the day without getting too political and, you know, if you want to buy my, the epoxy that I'm, I'm selling, that's great. But epoxy has to work for the application you need to do. If you're, if you're trying to use a layout epoxy for casting, it's not going to work. You can always, I always use all of my tools outside of their limits to test them and to try to see how I can do it differently. But be prepared for mistakes, you know? So if you need a casting resin that goes very thick, that's fathom. That's okay. total boat fathom. the total boat. Fathom? I have never seen an epoxy in my life that can cast like total boats fathom. So I um, actually just bought six gallons of that it cost me like a thousand bucks. Um, I've never used it. I've used their thick set before, but uh, I'm doing like a small river table for it. And, um, but yeah, six gallons, it's got a pretty big gap. So in you're it. not the, the people on the TV. Oh, that is crystal that. clear. So that is a four by four by 12 inch cast with baby Yoda inside with baby Yoda inside. <laughs> and, Yoda. and, and, um, I actually was doing that for, for May 4th for total boat okay. for my son actually. And I had that in my deep pour room. And I had to take it out of the deep pour room because it was not curing fast enough. So I realized, oh my God, I could do some real big pours with this. 
So for me, if you're going to do like cubes and castings, so when I say castings, I mean like, like you know, casting in rows, casting other things. That's, but a lot of the other epoxies are going to do a great job. So I'm using ice. Um, it's crystal clear, great bubble release, and I, I'm doing tables with that too. So that's that's the casting resin I use for the most part because it's accessible. That's just out of Montreal, which is uh, two hours away from me, two and a half hours away from me. Um, the best I've seen for, <laughs> I'm gonna go on the back on the total boat train again, but the best I've seen for um, like any um, high performance epoxies where you wanna do like layups and like glue ups for let's say um, fiberglass, et cetera, is I, I, I love their high performance epoxy. And mm -hmm. my favorite one-to-one -one is, is also ice epoxy. Um, that's the only one-to-one -one epoxy I actually really truly love. Um, I'm not a big fan of one-to-one -one epoxies. Uh, I find them having too much bubbles without a degassing chamber because I use a degassing chamber for everything clear. So it makes it a little bit easier to make my decisions. Did y'all make your own or did you, uh, is it like I actually bought it out kit? of the U S um, really? uh, cause I, I've been I, looking I at like a, a pressure chamber or whatever. Pressure, yeah. And, um, I, I don't use one now, but I use a lot of pigments and, um, and like these boards I'm pouring like a half inch thick. So it doesn't like, mo I'm able to get, most you don't of need to gas it. Yeah. But I just, was just mix it, mix it at a, a kind of medium pace, just like Adam Sandler would tell you. <laughs> yeah. Now take it off my <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I am, I'm using a one-to-one -one right now. It's from Polytech. It's one of their companies. Um, they were ProMarine. They just recently switched over to Promise Epoxy. And um, it's like the, uh, the epoxy part is really thick. And so it takes a long time to mix together. But with it yeah, being a so little bit thicker, it should take you ten minutes to mi mix a one to one almost. Hmm. Yeah, and you should be, mix you should you be mixing there, it but... kind of very, very like, just like kind of like a batter. You know, mixing it slowly, not trying to introduce bubbles. It's it's trickier, and I, I find a lot of people have more trouble with it. But the really good people with one to ones are very good. Like you know, uh, Crafts by Dre, she's just amazing when she uses her one to one epoxy from Total Boat. Um, yeah, I, I was just in their, their slow hardener with the high performance from total poxy, oh. but, um, this one I'm using now, that's my favorite. It, it can pour a little bit thicker though than the, than it that can pour hardener. thicker than that. Yeah. If you're going to do a half inch. Yeah, absolutely. But Which, if you want to layer pours, you can, you can use that to layer pours and layering can be fun too, just depending on how you want the, the board to look, you know? Yeah. Right. I, I've gone back and forth, um, experimenting with uh, layering versus not layering and, um, Cause yeah, if it's over seventy five degrees in the shop, and I do the uh, the slow hardener with the high performance at a full yeah. half inch thick, it's going to curl in on the sides, and oh, uh, goes like slightly exo. And um, oh, yeah. but if it's maybe like seventy or below, I pull it off. Right, but, I, um, I gotta ask with with yourself being and to Colton, obviously the two of you can both answer this question. You guys are both epoxy guys or self-proclaimed epoxy guys <laughs> ryan you obviously have a lot of knowledge in this is there a project that either one of you have always been dying to do with epoxy that you've never tackled hmm. um i really want to put something on the lathe do like um like a big bowl a big resin yes. bowl with like wood like mixed in there on the lathe that's something i have never done i really want to do I don't have a lathe like that, but that's something I always wanted to do as well, like a crazy epoxy resin bowl. Um, but given the parameters that I currently have, 
um, every tool that I kind of have available with the time I have, if I think up something and I have the capability to do it, I've learned that I just have to do it. Um, so that being said, given the tools I have, no, uh, I have not, I have not came across an, a, a project that I, that I have always wanted to do that I haven't done. Now I have a project. I have like five in my head that I want to do. I just don't have the time right now. Um, like one of the 3d carvings I, I showed you guys before we started talking, I would like to try to play with epoxy on 3d carvings, um, 2.5 D let's say, cause it's really not a 3d carving on the CNC machine. So, um, you'll see, you'll probably, if you guys are follow, uh, following me on Instagram, you'll see that coming, that kind of thing coming forward, um, soon, but Cole, man, we got to make a bowl together then. Yeah, dude. Let's do I it. I want to see one of you guys do a life-size casting of a polar bear. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so do you, if you ever followed that BM sculptures. I do. Blake um, does some amazing stuff. Yeah. So the funny thing is uh, he was using a different epoxy before and he was layering it. And now he's doing less layers using Fathom. Wow. So that's another, that's another. So he's obviously came across the same, um, realization that i did with fathom uh uh they're onto something that nobody else is uh, i don't know how they hmm. should keep it to themselves but um yeah so on the fathom train i got a question for you on that so um you know so I, i've worked with the thick set before right um i did a uh, a sunken cypress epoxy table last year or i guess two years whatever um a while ago and um how 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 different is it? Is there anything any any tips you'd say differently than than a normal uh, thick set pour? So I found that out not the hard way, but uh, it kind of worked out. The thick set it's a three to one. I didn't know that um, because I have it in a two to one bottle size, and I just obviously. I was quickly working the first time I ever used it. I was quickly working and I deported it as a two to one. Funny enough, it turned out, I tested it. It was not jelly. It was not, it cured properly. It actually cured a little too quickly. So I I guess you had like 30% more of the red, of the, the, the resin. No. Yeah. Yeah, No, no, Uh, of the, uh, the hardener. uh, Yes. And so um, I guess it would have cured quicker potentially? Yes and no. So when you add more hardener, it can go the opposite way. So I've had, I had a, uh, there was a guy at our business before me and um, this is back when epoxy was not super popular in my area. And he was like, well, that's the hardener. That's the resin. And he's like, well, it's not curing fast enough for me. I want to pour it three times a day because I need to get this table done quickly. So I started putting more hardener. Well, that table came back a year and a half later when I was there uh, as that the head of the that department, and it was it was literally gooping out from underneath of the table. No, so yeah, it was it it didn't cure in the middle, and it was gooping. So we had to carve it all out and refill it. And uh, we fixed it because that's the beauty of woodworking and, and that kind of thing. You can fix anything. Um, it just take it's just whether or not it's feasible. Uh, but you know, we, we took on the, we took on the client. We said, yeah, we'll fix it. So we fixed it and it was fine. They were happy with it. And, and, and that was like three years ago, 
we haven't heard from them since. So, hmm. no news. Good news. I did epoxy when I first moved here, so this has probably been almost ten years ago. And this is before they really like the thick epoxy, like deep pour epoxy was as as accessible as it is now. I didn't know. I didn't know what exothermic was. I didn't know none of that. And we've done a lot of pours, uh, even kind of big ones and like clear ones, and they turned out okay. And a couple bubbles, but and we had this tree. It was a the tree was like a, a, a monkey pot, and it was like a crotch. You know that but, that's actually acacia, by the way. Uh, what, right. Yeah, it's a type acacia of acacia. Is, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. So right, and and it and it. Um, it worked out. They wanted that shape. It was really hard to sell, but it was nice and thick. And I poured that thing the first time and I was using Colton's old, whatever, um, the pro marine or promise pro marine is what it was called yeah. on Amazon. And it was cheap. cheap. It was a hundred bucks. Yeah. And cause we had used it for all kinds of things. I mixed color in it, but nothing ever over an inch thick. And this was the first thing that was over an inch thick. And I walked away and then we had like tinted plastic over it so that, cause we had to kind of keep working and it was a hot shop to begin with. It melted oh, so the plastic. You, you, you kept the heat in. Oh yeah. All of it. it. It didn't make any difference. It, it melted the plastic. It, it got hard, like really fast, cracked all down the middle. So then I said, well, maybe it was bad epoxy. So we cut it all out. I did it again. Same thing, even worse. And it was like yellow mm. And we went round and round with that for a while until we finally got. Oh, that was a clear pour. It was supposed to be. Oh, yeah. okay. So that, yeah, then you really have to work it. So I, I had a, I had an interesting situation occur. So I had a river table that I had to do for for a customer on a very close timeline, and it was in my my room uh, that I told you that goes down to a low temperature. But I had a different. I had an AC unit that was a floor model pumping uh, into uh, into the main room above it so it's a closed room and um i went away for the weekend and the hose came undone and it was basically pumping heat back into the room so it cracked and it bubbled Mm -hmm. but i fixed it so we 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 ran it to the sander it it ended up having to be thinner than it was supposed to be but we ran it to this big the, the drum sander and i guess uh wide belt sander, sorry. And, um, we filled all the little bubble holes as best we could to try to get the closest color match, uh, and then filled the crack. Um, we told the client if there's an issue down the road, it's a massive extended warranty because, uh, we, you know, we're not sure with the temperature of the epoxy, if it will hold up and they were okay with it. But, uh, you can fix it if it's not clear. <laughs> um, so it looked fine. It looked great. And they were happy with it. And there's been no issues with it. But um, it wasn't it wasn't crazy. But, you know, so obviously then I switched to a mini split in that room because I was like, I'm done with this. Hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, epoxy can be a nightmare and it can be one of the best friends you've ever had. You can, you can use wood that was typically unusable. Mm-hmm. Right. That's pretty... But- Right. Yeah, and then it's pretty, and, and it can yeah. bring bring life to wood. So you know, there's so many traditionalists that are like, oh, you know, epoxy. Uh, it's 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 not traditional, and it's like I don't want to put plastic in my table and this and that. And 
But I'm like, you know, like we you, we can go back and it's like, well, I can say to that same person, well, you're using a table saw. Right. And they're like, yeah, of course I am because it's a traditional tool. No, it's not. Technically, a traditional tool would be a stone or if you really like if you want to go a little bit further forward, like a hand tool, like a like a plane and a card scraper um, and a handsaw. Like so we all we, we we advance with these mediums, these different mediums and these different tools to help us be able to produce this, these different items. And, and hopefully if we're going to be like caring towards things use them in, in a way that we can not have waste. So I have once heard that a lumber mill wastes up to almost 75% of a log to get select boards. Correct. Yeah. Really? Okay. Now imagine yeah, that. Quarter now I, I want to tell you my amount of waste in my shop is less than 5%. Uh, because and it's only five percent because sometimes they want a little bit of the edges cut so that it just matches their 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 width. So we you know if we have just a piece that's about you know inch and a half wide, it goes in the burn pile. But that comes home to my house and it gets burned in the stove. So technically, I I wouldn't say it's a waste. Um, yeah. Or or it could get used in a charcuterie board if it's the right size, and we save those for that that type of thing. So the waste is very 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 minimal. Um, but select lumber. So which one is more responsible? And, I, and I'll leave that up to other people to kind of think about. What What are you guys spending on epoxy on like, let's say, you know, an eight foot table? I mean, I don't know if you can dis- disclose that or not, but like, what are you just spending on just the epoxy for like an inch and a half, two inch thick river table? Saying so like per so, gallon? So just I, total. I, 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 oh, I total. can give you an idea because every epoxy has different pricing. And right. so, um, I was a, a hub for one epoxy and a distributor for other epoxies, so the prices always change. But um, I, I the table I was just telling you about that I'm pouring the Walnut River table. It's 11 feet. There's 22 gallons of epoxy in it. Oh so retail on that kit, I think, is 256 dollars a kit, which is three gallons. So. Okay. So several thousand. Okay. Gotcha. Several thousand. But I mean, I obviously I don't pay that because I buy it to resell it. And, um, but I, I also get to use that at the same price for me because I resell it to other people, but I use it. That that's kind of the little trick, but I have to buy a lot. So, you know, a lot of people cannot get themselves into that, that, that situation. So I'm fortunate there. Um, but it, I mean, it's not coming directly in my pocket, obviously, but um, yeah, yeah, you know, we have to, we, it depends on the margins and it depends on the company. Some companies will give you a 40% margin. Some will only give you a 15. Um, and sometimes you have to buy it retail. Um, if you have to buy it retail and you're going to resell it, you better be a, a single person in your garage working on everything yourself. So you're a sole proprietor and you're going to make the money on every single inch of that portion. But I, I have, I have, um, employees so i have to pay them an hourly wage so we have to factor in that as well so that's why it works to be able to be a distributor do you you buy it by the drum um i have not yet i buy it by the uh, basically pallet or two load at a time um so and a pallet has 48 kits so three gallons times 48 um that's how much i buy at a time usually Hmm. um 
and I've been looking at the drums. Um, the economy is not great right now. I know it's not great in the U.S. It's not great in Canada either. So I, I've held off, and I'm just going to stick with the kits for, for a little bit longer. Um, but I will eventually set up those. I, is it called an IBU? IBU? You know, the big, it's like they, they put them in the, the, it's like a metal cage with the water. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. IB, I don't know if it's an IBU, but. Uh, they, I'm not they, sure they what come, you're talking about. They come it's at, a shipping it's, container for liquids. Yeah, oh. it's like a big, yeah, and you've, you've seen it on farms. You, if you drive by a farm, you'll see it. It's got, a, it's like a metal cage around this plastic thing with a, a nozzle that. that oh, drips. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you can get that size, and that that greatly reduces the price, but you have to pour a lot. I mean, there's not many people that are pouring that much. And It goes um, bad, right? I, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't go bad. The problem is when it's in a big size, it can crystallize. So when it crystallizes, you have to heat the whole batch up and allow mm. the crystals to melt. So basically that's that's an, an advantage of having one kit you can just take your two part a's which are your resins uh, dunk them in boiling water a couple times and it re it re um i had some so uncrystallizes i guess right? decrystallizes it and then because yeah. you don't have to do your hardener and, and then you're and you're good to go again um I had some epoxy that sat on the shelf for about a year and a half, and it it yellowed. And we were putting so much color, we still use it, and it never got hard. Never. Interesting. So, right. yeah, did that's you talk funny to it you nicely. Say that. I, I did. I did. We you had to dig to all of that out of there with gloves. Hmm. It was awful. It was awful. So yep. maybe it was an older one because I had an echo epoxy that I purchased. That was one of my first epoxies, um, and it, echo epoxy is expensive, but I think the quality is definitely there uh i left it open it was open and unused it must have been a year and a half to two years and then i poured a cube that was four by four by seven an eiffel tower for my daughter Hmm. um crystal clear no crystallization so I, i i was really impressed so the only two epoxies that i've i've never had an issue with crystallization is Total Boat and and that epoxy uh, uh, um, Echo also um, super clear, but I have never kept those epoxies long enough because I have not had the quantity to, to hold on to them long enough. So I can't really speak to that. But um, eventually yeah. everything will crystallize and eventually everything will yellow. Um, if you've ever had a white T-shirt, I have bleach bleach as many times as you want until it falls apart, but it, yep. it yellows. Epoxy will yellow. Some of them have UV re- resistance, but after twenty years, it's going to yellow. Yeah, it's going to yellow. So yeah, unless you got some pigment in there, <laughs> you can't <yeah>. tell. <laughs> Put some so, purple. Put a Ryan, little tiny I got, bit of purple. Uh, I have two questions for you because you were tar- talking about tooling and specific tools and what's traditional and what's not. I have two questions for you, and one kind of leads into the other. Uh, number one. Is there a tool that you're kind of eyeing to pull the trigger on that you haven't added to your shop yet? And then number two, uh, based on your Instagram, obviously you do a lot of, of CNC work at your day job, but you're also utilizing a lot of hand tools. Do you prefer one over the other or is it more project based? I really like those questions. Um, so at, at my job, at my, my, my business shop, one thing that we're waiting to pull the trigger on is, is a, is a very, is a floor model bandsaw. I have one at home. 
I have one just behind me here. It's the Laguna 1412. I love it. I purchased that with the death benefit of my grandmother. So that that's her tool. And I think of her every time I use it. So that, that's kind of a sentimental thing for me. Um, and I that's what really got me into bandsaw work is having that tool. But at, at the job, that's the big one we need to we need to pull the trigger on. Um, other than that, I kind of have almost everything with the exception of like shaper, a shape, like a big shaper, a big, like kind of the, the very Jeff specific, like yeah. a very big specific tool. Um, so I, I, I'm pretty happy with everything there. As for the second question though, um, I do CNC work at home. Sometimes I use, I have a small hobby CNC as well, but I, I like, I like the idea of, like Mark Spagnolo, the the, the wood mm-hmm. whisperer, he considers himself the hybrid woodworker, and I, I kind of uh, was influenced by him quite a bit, um, and I enjoy that style of woodwork. Uh, so for me, the power tools are the things that get the project done, but the hand tools are the things that give you the therapy. You're talking to Ross him. here. I don't. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Ross yeah. is like. So for me, for me, well, you know, there's been days where I will come home and I will just take, I will just pull out a board out of the the pile, and it's been a, <laughs> a crappy day. It's been a hard day. <laughs> it's been a hard day. Okay, sometimes, and I will just pull out a board and I will just start playing it with my jack. And I have a beautiful bevel up jack plane from Veritas and I will just plane it and plane it and plane it and pull those shavings out. And then that's my fire starter. So it's not a waste, but I go upstairs afterwards and I feel better and I have no issues with inner anger or let's say I, not that I do, you seem but very know. calm. Well, you're also yeah. Canadian. So, <laughs> so my so, customer today is Canadian and she was like, she was just like so sweet. It's so nice. I was like, where are you from? She's Canada. I was like, yep, there it is. Canadians oh, where she's about, where is she, where is she from? She, eh? I don't, I don't remember what she said. I can ask my wife, but she was, Oh, what's so her name? I probably too. know her. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> and her, her husband is the announcer for the Tampa Bay lightning. And so oh, no we way. did, we did a, a table with hockey. It's like, well, all it had actually after all said and done was, it was, so you, you sent her a Montreal Canadian table and just, and just, they've been eyeballing him, I guess for a while. So he's mm-hmm. been, they've been here for about three years and uh, he was from Canada. And so we put a hockey lace inlay around the edge oh, of the walnut and it, it turned cool. out pretty good. It turned out You're welcome, great. Man. So, yeah, yes, that's yeah, awesome. Thank you for that. that I told her that, that you said, thought of it. That I did did occur on the podcast. I remember that. Correct. It did. It's spontaneously. Yeah. So I have, not to cut everybody off here, but I thought we talked about uh, after our last podcast, few podcasts, that we all should have some questions ready for our guests, right? So all day I have been on my phone thinking of questions to ask our guest, but they have nothing to do with woodworking. They're just about getting to know our guests. All right. And I think that it would be fun, and you guys can tell me yes or no, if we did a timer and see how many he can answer in three minutes. Oh, boys. No they're pressure easy, here. I'm easy, not used to not, pressure. I've never done are any not, pressure not, situations uh, in my life. Ryan, these are not trivia. This? These are not trivia questions. These are questions about you. 
And they're short, simple answers if they want them to be. Okay. As soon as you give me an answer, we're going to move on to the next one. Let's see how many. I've got 40. So if you can get through 40, then you win. Colton, he doesn't know me very well. I don't have short answers for anything. <laughs> That's why we have a well, timer. I think the over under the over under bet is two questions. No, it's perfect. No, I love it. No, I love it. No, Let's go. No elaboration. Yeah, shoot. Is, is it okay? I didn't mean to cut the show off, but no, no, shoot, no, shoot. I, I like it. So fun. So I love the it. guy at work also helped me get a couple of these. All right, yeah, I got three right, minutes. You should, uh, you should you take another shot of the, the average. All right, give me give me uh, a countdown, go. Ross. <laughs> Cheers. Give me a count. Give me a countdown. Three minutes is starting in and three. You guys, you guys can answer too if you want. Three. You ready? Two. One. Question number one: If you could have any superpower but only use it once a day, what would it be? Flying. Teleportation. Are Are you team cats or team dogs? Dogs. What's the weirdest food combination you secretly enjoy? Pineapple and pizza that I don't really enjoy. Okay. If you could time <laughs> travel, would you go to the past or the future? I would go to the past. Why? To see my grandfather again. Good answer. Okay. Coffee or tea and how do you take it? Coffee. Black. Like a cowboy. All right. All right. If you were a character in a book, which book would you want to live in? Kama Sutra. <laughs> Good I can't answer. think of the I can't think the name right now, but uh, I read the book and it's uh, Hatchet. No, oh, really good. Uh, what's his name? Um, Gandalf. No, he he walked down. He's a fancy guy. Moses Cowdog. All right, we'll come back to Move it. On. All right, what's the most unusual talent or skill you possess? I can't tell you that. My wife knows. Okay, <laughs> uh, pan- pancakes or waffles. 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 Uh, if you were a pro wrestler, what would your stage name be and what would your signature move be called? The Arcadian Canadian, of course. <laughs> I would agree with I would agree with that. And, and I what would your it, signature move? The epoxy smother? Uh, probably. <laughs> okay. What's what's your go to karaoke song? Tennessee whiskey. It's the only oh, one I've ever sang. If you could swap lives with a fictional character for a day, who would it be? Swap wives? Lives. Oh, yeah, we're not more. Well, you can answer that. Yeah, you can answer that too. Uh, <laughs> with a fictional character for a day, who would it be? A fictional character. The Hulk. Oh, good. How much time we got left, Ross? One minute, two seconds. All right. What's your spirit animal and why do you think it represents you? Is it a moose? The wolf. The wolf. Why the, the wolf? Because I spend a lot of time on my own. But when I need a pack, I've got a pack. Good. Yeah. Would you prefer a day at the beach or a cozy day by the fireplace in a cabin? Fireplace. I hate the do beach. You, I spent you... too much time on the beach sanding my butt crack and everything. Okay. Do you believe in aliens or UFOs? Well, I believe in both because a UFO okay. is an unidentified flying car. I've okay. Uh, uh, what's your favorite dad joke or pun? Every single one of them. Okay. Uh, if you could have dinner with any historical figure, who would it be? And what's the first question you'd ask them? Besides my grandfather, Edgar Allan Poe. What would you ask him? 10 seconds. What the heck is up with the Raven? Uh, would you rather be able to speak every language fluently or play every musical instrument? Every musical instrument, because that's every language. Okay. Heck yeah. That's good. So we got through 17. That's pretty good. Let's wow. see if the next guest can beat you. I like that. So hey, I think the, that should the be a one, thing. The one, the one question I really wanted to answer 
Oh and, yeah, the book it, that the you can book, live in. It was, and I I drew a blank, and I normally don't do that. It was um, who's the guy that played in um, the airplane movie with uh, Lloyd Bridges? No, no, okay, he was on. He was the ty- guy in Titanic. <laughs> guy in Titanic. Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, Leonardo, Leonardo, DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio played the movie in catch me that, if you that, can that, that fits uh, that um that scott fitzgerald wrote the book i can't think of the book right dream now. in a dream that one no scott fitzgerald wrote the book it was um he was a rich guy living in like on the other side uh, scott fitzgerald. i'm gonna google scott fitzgerald right now uh, uh, well anyway so we have 23 more for the next guest to see if they can beat and i'll come up with some more in the meantime Hold on. The the one where he was the Wall Street trader, the Wolf of Wall Street? Nope. It was um The, the Great Gatsby. Uh oh, oh I was Gatsby. I was just now thinking that actually, the Great Gatsby, yeah. That's good. I thought you were gonna and say I don't the know Revenant. why I drew a blank on that because it's one of my favorite books. So mm. unfortunately. Very good. I also See, so I'm um the Scouts, um is it similar to uh BSA, like where like the ranks and stuff, or is it a little, little different? Like, were you an Eagle Scout? Um, so we had in, in you're, you're talking about you're talking to me, Boy Scouts, Boy Scouts in America. I guess it's this just I mean, a joke. Um, oh. so of course you're talking to me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we had so we had beavers. Yeah, it, it was a yeah. beaver. So that was before Scouts, and then then you became a Scout. And Scouts was like basically the same, basically the same thing. Scouts of America, so uh, same same principle. Um, you'll be taken out. You get badges for different tasks. Um, what was the you know, top rank? Same Eagle Scout. I'm actually not sure anymore because it was quite a few years ago, and mm. I never really looked at it that way. Um, my father was one of the leaders, and I, I just kind of used it as a way to kind of hang out with my friends and try to get them involved with coming up to the cottage with me. Oh. Um, because I mean, I, at that time when I was in Scouts, I was already sleeping out in the woods with like a knife and a tarp. So, all right. Um, I, I didn't really see it. Like, I mean, I, I got every badge I tried to get and I, I don't, I don't, I don't want it to be sounding cocky because no i I get it it's not it's just it it just i i grew up that way um so um you know being in the woods and being building a lean-to was almost a little bit second nature yeah um and, and and that's a skill that's a great skill but i had to learn all the woodworking skills that's something that i didn't know and I hmm. had to fail and I had to try and I've made a lot of mistakes. And I, and I think making mistakes is probably the best thing that I could have ever done. And, oh, especially and, with epoxy, man. Yeah. Oh, you just remember how you messed you right up now, a little man. bit the last time. Yeah. Well, there's I still think... times and there will still be times in the future where I will walk in on the weekend and I will have 20 gallons on the floor. I hmm. guarantee you it'll happen. It just happens. Hmm. Cause some, when the levy breaks, the levy breaks, man. Cause silicone is only as strong as silicone could be when it's attached to HDPE. It just, it just, the bond is not as strong as if it's like the wood to wood, you know? Yeah. So, so, I have some horror stories for another time on that, uh, that river table that I did <laughs> like two, I, I thought I was going to burn the garage down at one point. 
but at like 4 a.m. But yeah. So Ryan, with Oof. you obviously having the knowledge of sleeping out in the woods from a young age, um, I think it's time that we get into the wood of the week and we'll test your knowledge with a little bit of trivia after that. Out in the woods. You down okay. for that? Hold on. Yeah, Ready absolutely. Theme show? Uh, I'm ready. Wow. 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 The wood of the week. All wow. right. This week's this week's wood of the week is willow. All right. Not the movie, willow. but the wood. Yeah. So there is uh, a few. One's called black. One's called white. One's called willow oak, which is actually a red oak. And there's also crack willow, which cracks when you try to dry it. Uh, it's also one of the harder ones. But willow is very, very soft. Um, but the the interesting thing about willow is that they use it to make cricket bats. That's its famous thing. They make cricket bats, uh, especially English willow, um, it, because I guess if they dry it just right, it is, is slightly durable. Uh, it's very bendy, so they also make like wicker and stuff like that out of willow branches and things like that. So, uh, as far as Janka hardness, it is super soft, like 500, right? So it's yeah. just okay, it's, it's like lower popular. than pun. Yep. Yeah, Cotton even worse. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's amazing it's very, that they very, would very make a, a bat out of it with it being but, so soft. But cricket balls are never thrown the same speed that a baseball is thrown. Like it's bounced at you, and the most that's coming at you is like sixty miles an hour, so it's nowhere near the density that you would need. What do they, they make baseball eat? bats out of? Ash, so it used usually. to be ash. Um, they still well, technically me... make them out of ash, but a lot of them are out of maple, and some of them are out of. Uh, I was just at the Louisville factory, Louisville Slugger factory. Um, there's something else they make it out of, but it used to be ash. But uh, most of them are made out. Oh, hickory! That was it. Hickory, yeah. yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah. anything that a, like an axe handle is made of, basically, because it, of the stresses that mm-hmm. go on to it. Uh, they also use um, willow in some cases to make people artificial limbs. Mm-hmm. Really, I didn't know that. So, That's interesting. Yeah. And if they limbs. made the guy from Willow an artificial limb out of willow, it would be very small. Right. Very, very, very small. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can make him taller. That's yeah, true. <laughs> so the, it, it's, it's pretty neat. These are for marquetry work. Um, there's also, you know, all the wicker stuff like baskets and things like that. So willows you actually use quite a lot in a lot of woodwork, but not necessarily in the traditional way, mm-hmm. like to make furniture and such because it's so soft. So it, it's used a lot the, for door frames. Yes. It's interesting. Uh, okay. So that was the wood of the week willow and this week's trivia is on the willow is on willow surprise surprise so i have 15 questions since we got scolded for only having 10 so i have 15 questions this week and we're gonna go round robin for each one daniel wish there was more questions and you know what this is one of the only woods I know very little about. So this is going to be... Oh, yeah, I know. Sam. That's why I picked it. That's why I picked it. The only willow experience I had as a kid was swinging from my weeping willow tree that was in my backyard. All right. So speaking <laughs> of which, you get question one, uh, Ryan. 
Which type of willow tree is known for its long, slender branches often used in basket weavings? Is it A, white willow, B, weeping willow, C, black willow, or D, crack willow? I'm going to go with weeping. That is incorrect. It is black willow. I All would right. not have got that. That was my last uh, guess. So <laughs> I was going to guess the crack willow. <laughs> I was going right. to go with the crack willow, like the ones um, that hang out in front of the gas station. That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what, question number two, this is for you, Colton. What is the primary um, reason willow wood is favored for making baskets and furniture? Is it resistance to insects? Insects? Is it vibrant green color? It's ease of carving and bending or it's durability in extreme weather conditions. Wait, was A that it's resistant to incest? Like they, they don't they don't cross okay. No, it's uh, C. <laughs> that is correct. It's ease of carving and bending. Very, very, very. Give me the easy All right. ones. <laughs> All right, Ross, question number three. What is the term for the fluffy cotton like structure produced by female willow trees containing seeds? Is it A willow puff? Is it B, Willow Catkins, which stumped you guys last week? Is it C, Willow Buds, or is it D, Willow Cotton? I'm going to go with Catkins just because you referenced it. it. Well, it is. That is correct. It is Willow Catkins. All right. Very good. All right. Question number four. This is back to you, Ryan. Which part of the willow tree is often used in traditional medicine for its pain-relieving properties? Is the it bark. the leaves, the roots, bark, or seeds? You're going to go with bark. That is correct. All right. Bark is used. Good job, All right, Colton, Nailed question it. number five. What type of soil conditions do most willow trees thrive in? Is it dry and sandy, acidic soil, wet and marshy, or rocky? Dry and sandy, <laughs> acidic Wet and marshy or rocky? Come on, Colton. This is acidic. <laughs> That's what That's you're thinking? You. No, but uh, <laughs> the pressure's on. Okay, okay. <laughs> Last time, read them out again. Read them out. Okay. The questions so your, or the answers. Your, op- your, your options are <laughs> <laughs> what type of soil conditions Just, do they thrive in? Dry thrive. and sandy. Dry and sandy. Acidic. Okay. Wet and marshy or rocky? Oh, wet and marshy. Um, that is I, correct. Wet and marshy soil. I panic and said acidic. I was like, wait, it's not a rose, I guess. But, All right, Ross. Question number six for you. Which of the following willow species is commonly used for creating living willow structures such as fences and sculptures? Uh, which I actually saw on uh, Jeremy Clarkson Builds a Farm. They wove the willow trees into mm-hmm. a uh, fence, Fences. which is an old thing, which is really, really, really neat. They're yep. still teaching men to do it. Uh, is it white willow, weeping willow, black willow, or goat willow? I'm going to go with uh, black willow. That is incorrect. It is white willow. That is the one that they mm. use for making living structures. Such was as that last one goat willow? Yeah. Is that what you said? Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, uh, is that real? Is that just like a, a I don't think a red, so. A red I, herring, I, if you will. 
That would have yeah, baited so. me. I would have picked Goat Willow. The <laughs> greatest of all time, Willow, so right there, baby. The goat. Well, you know how like a wood can have more than one name. You could have called him Michael Jordan Willow. I would picked it. It could yeah. be the Goat Willow to keep the to keep goats out. You know, they make defenses. <laughs> I don't know. All right, number seven. Back to you. Uh, oh, it's Ross, right? Who's, no, who's it's Ryan. It's Ryan. Went. Okay, Ryan. Which is the distinctive feature of a weeping willow tree that sets it apart from other willow species? Is it A, large oval leaves, B, tall drooping branches, C, thick gnarled bark, or D, red colored wood? I'm going to go with B, the drooping branches. That is correct. It is the tall drooping branches. All right, question number eight. This is for Colton. Uh, What is the average lifespan of a mature willow tree in ideal growing conditions? All right, this is a hard one. So we're going to say 10 to 20 years, 50 to 75, 100 to 150, or over 200. That's a hard question. All right, repeat the question again. So what's the average lifespan? Right. So, you know, like the insects and stuff are going to get it eventually. Something is. So, uh, what an ideal average lifespan, 100 to yeah. 150. 100 to 150? That is incorrect. Yep. The average lifespan is oh. only 50 to 75 years long. Uh, so, really? it's, it's quite short. Hmm. All right. So close. Uh, so, question number nine. Uh, I, I've never heard this word before. Uh, what is the primary purpose of the coppicing technique used with willow trees? Is it, Uh, and it's spelled C-O-P-P-I-C-I-N-G. So I think that's coppicing, right? Uh, It's to deal with the other trees in the forest. Yeah, it's like when you... you... (laughs) So is it A, enhancing fruit production? Is it B, creating decorative bark patterns? C, harvesting branches for crafts and fuel? And D, reducing soil erosion. And this is the function of the tree, or this is something done the to the tree? The primary purpose of the coppicing technique used with willow trees. Uh, I'm going to go out on a, a weeping willow limb here and say it's <laughs> uh, C. Uh, that... I don't remember what any of them are, so I'm just saying. I was going to say D. Uh, okay. When in doubt, guess C. No. So mm-hmm. it was it was enhancing fruit production, created decorative bark patterns, harvesting branches for crafts and fuel, uh, or reducing soil erosion. I'm going and C. Harvesting them for crafts and fuel. That is correct. Harvesting. Oh, nice. All right. Well done. So, yeah. So coppicing, just so everyone knows, is a pruning technique that involves cutting trees or shrubs to ground level. The cut simulates the root system to produce new growth. This growth can be larger, more colorful than the original foliage. So basically, there'll be like a tall one, and then they'll cut a really short one next to it, and then they'll leave the next one medium, and then like, and they just keep doing that back and forth, and it makes it, it makes them grow faster. Right? Hmm, really? Okay. Yeah, and copus trees, uh, they use them as windbreaks to protect crops as well. So they'll do that on the lawn, around the edge of a thing. All right. So back to the questions. This question is for Number you, Brian. 10. Which famous ancient civilization is known for using willow wood in the construction of various structures, including huts and fences? Is it Egypt, Greece, Rome, or China? 
I actually thought you were going to say a different. What were you thinking it was? Yes. I was was thinking the English. Yeah. Which famous ancient civilization is known for using willow wood in the construction of various structures, including huts and fences? Is it ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, ancient Rome, or ancient China? Greece. Egypt, Greece, Rome, China. I'm going to say Rome. I think it gets wrong, but I'm going to say Rome. You are incorrect. It was ancient Egypt, actually. Oh, so yeah, I, figured I, it was, it I thought it was between Greece or uh, I, I would have said it would be a nomadic, a nomadic um, area that would use it for huts. And and I, I was thinking more like Mongolia. Mm-hmm. I missed. There must be some some soil that, that they like over there. OK, Ar- archaeologists number- actually announced that they found the oldest food stain known to man. It's from ancient Greece. But <laughs> All right. Now this That's is interesting, awesome. and we'll talk about this just for a second. So it's also where the is, first French fries were cooked. In Greece. Um, this is really easy. Why were they this French really, then? <laughs> this is really easy. Are you ready, Colton? All ready. All ready. What is the common name for the willow species known for its distinctive diamond-patterned bark? Is it A, diamond willow, B, striped willow, C, pinstripe willow, or D, zebra willow? I'm going to go with alpha diamond willow. That is correct. It is diamond willow. So interesting. Good job. Interesting uh, fact about diamond willow. It doesn't refer to a particular species of willow, but it's a description of abnormal growth form of certain fungus infected willow trees like Ross, like your I mean, table, my table, oh, spalted, yeah. your spalted maple, right? It's a lot like that. So it's not necessarily a actual willow tree. It's just a willow tree that started to get a fungus in it. Right. So when they start removing the bark, you can see the diamond, like shapes and it's like prized and they'll make like walking sticks and carve things out of it. Right? Yeah. So, okay. so I guess a lot like uh bird's eye maple or curly maple. Well, it's well no, because it, it has to do with a fungus. That's the difference. This so one has spalted to do with maple. Fungus. Like spalted. Right. right. Well, the or, bird's eye and the uh, like curly, well, that's funguses, well, we, right too. The, right? Well, the birds, with the birds, they don't even know. I, I, I keep trying to find research on that to how to find or figure out how bird's eyes occur. And it doesn't seem like it's an easy thing to figure out. Spalting is easy. Bird's I thought eye bird's eye had to do something with the uh, the growth pattern based on the moisture of that year. Or uh, Well, that's what they think. But then apparently, then you should not have it throughout the whole tree. And I have like boards where it's like, you know, so. Yeah. Um, so. And I heard that same thing. So I was kind of like, well, how is that possible? Logically, it doesn't really make sense. Hmm. Um, you could have it in the ring, that growth ring maybe. But uh, so, and I heard a lot of people, they, 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 they really don't know how. But when they saw the tree, you can see it when you, when you saw it from the, the end grain. If it's, they, they know immediately that's going to be a bird's eye maple tree. Hmm. Oh, from Interesting. Uh, yeah. I'd like to know what the difference is. Uh, okay. I don't know. My brother-in-law is actually a, was a Sawyer, um, and he's very good with this. But um, 
I, I don't know. I, we'll I'm have like, to do just, we'll just have to do send it. me the bird's eye. I'll make some cool shit from it. <laughs> yeah, I love bird's eye maple. Okay, yeah. so next question. This question is for Ross. Me. Yep. Uh, what is the term for the practice of using willow branches to create uh, living fences or windbreaks? Is it willow grafting, willow weaving, willow propagation, or willow pollarding? Oh, let's go out on another limb with willow pollarding. That is incorrect. It is willow weaving. Yeah. All right. Question. (laughs) Right. So, question number thirteen. Back to you, Ryan. Which part of the willow tree is traditionally used to make aspirin-like pain relievers? The bark. The bark. Leaves, roots, (laughs) bark, or seeds. That is correct. The bark. Uh, which is what a, a, sal- a salicylic acid or something? It's like, like that? the only two questions you asked me about the bar. Like <laughs> I know, I was like, I know that answer. That's the only two things I know about Willow. I think. Okay, so question number fourteen, Colton Val Kilmer. What is <laughs> correct? What What is the primary threat to willow trees in many regions, leading to habitat loss? Is it forest fires? Overharvesting for crafts, beaver activity, or air pollution? Hmm. Air pollution? That is incorrect. It is the goddamn beavers. It oh, is beaver activity. Yes, they love them because they yeah. can make their little dams out of them. Because they and they're so shit. soft and they're easy to eat. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. dude. Right. They're tasty. It's they funny are. you say that. So um, beavers are. <laughs> on the uh, the reel this last week. <laughs> oh god. Okay, so I had to digest that for a sec there, Ross. Um, well, you can digest the, it for as long as you want, man. <laughs> That's right. You know this reel last week when I called you the Arcadian Canadian, which I didn't even know yes, what sir. Arcadian meant until I posted the reel. I was like, I should probably look that up, and then uh, I looked up and it was fine. But um, <laughs> I was I, I almost called you like the uh, the. the Canadian beaver slayer or like the, I don't know. That would have been good too. Yeah. Yeah. Because it kind of has happened before. You know what the story? (laughs) I'm sure back in Rio, baby. Oh, yeah. No, I was married, man. Oh, you were married? Okay, good. Never mind. Angel. (laughs) Do you know what the liquor store (laughs) in Beaver, Colorado is named? It's in Beaver Creek. It's Beaver Liquors. I have a t-shirt from there. Beaver Liquors. Interesting. <laughs> I, I really All need right. to go to the Beaver Liquors. And Beaver, Beaver, get some Beaver, Beaver Creek, juice. Colorado. Yep. Okay, last question, you guys. So if we get through this, Ross. Which famous playwright mentioned willow trees in the phrase, hang out our banners on the outward walls? The cry is still, they come. Our castle strength will laugh at a siege to scorn. Is it William Shakespeare, Tennessee Williams, Arthur Miller or Anton Chekhov? I mean, being that only one of those was a playwright, I'm going to go with William Shakespeare. That is correct. It was William Shakespeare. Very good, you guys. Give yourselves a round of applause. Everybody did great. Thank you. And now we all know a little bit more about Ross is very cultured. Yeah. He knew knew that only one of those was a playwright. Ross does some stuff, man. He does. He does. Well done, sir. And he also knows a lot about whiskey. Which we're going to jump into right now. The reason that Ryan actually wanted to be on the show is the next segment. So, Ryan, are you ready to dive into the Whiskey of the Week? I have already dove into the Whiskey (laughs) of the Week. Excellent. (laughs) Showtime! Woo! 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 
The Whiskey of the Week. Excellent. So for this Whiskey of the Week, last week, Colton, uh, the task was to find the peerless Kentucky Stray Bourbon. So first and foremost, were you able to procure it and did it dandy? Well, we made a curveball this week. We did. With uh, so in actually the place where I got the this Aberlour, um, Aberlour. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure, it's not Aberlour, man. I am correct. Yes, it looks like it. Shit. Uh, Literally sold this brand for a number of years. Can, can you, really? you repeat that yeah. for me, Aberlour? Aberlour. Aberlour. Lauer. Aberlour. Okay. And then, uh, oh yeah, then you corrected me on the. Uh, the, the actual make, I guess, of this one. Um, Correct. So the curveball that was thrown at you. Uh, so Ryan had shown a picture to Colton saying that, hey, we should imbibe on some Aberlauer 12-year-old. And it is an unbelievable whiskey. But I tasked Colton with finding the Aberlauer Abuna. And Abuna is the Gaelic word for origin. And the story goes that as Aberlauer Distillery was expanding, uh, a number of years ago, they actually uh, tore down one of the walls and found an original or a bottle wrapped in newspaper from one of the first batches they had ever made. And it was a cast strength, non-chill filtered expression aged exclusively in Oloroso Sherry. So the workers drank the majority of the bottle and then gave it to the master distiller and said, hey, you should figure out how to make more of this. So they ended up literally uh, from the three fingers that were left in that bottle trying to recreate it and the first batch that went global was batch number six they are now on batch number 60 something could be in the 70s by now but it is an unbelievable cast strength non-chill filtered expression of whiskey now you have the Aberlauer Alba which means that it was all finished in white oak versus the Oloroso Sherry which is why it's a much lighter whiskey but that is cast strength non-chill filtered was this was I supposed to just get the Abuna? Which is spelled, by the way, Abunad with an H at the end. Correct. The D is silent. It's pronounced Abuna. Abuna. Mm-hmm. But um, wait. So is there like an Abuna and then a, an Abuna Alba? Correct. Okay, got it. Um, well, I was surprised I was able to find the the Abuna. Um, yep. But this says it's batch number on? four. But, yeah. Uh, so the the Alba is a much more recent expression. Okay. Um. The original Abuna is long into the, the 60s and 70s by now. They do one about every three to four months. Nice. So this, the Abuna, like, so it's very light in color. As you yep. can see there. Is, is the 12-year, like, similar color? No. So the 12-year is more um, amber, oh, kind, yeah. of like, kind of like the Abuna, um, the, the, the regular Abuna. I, I, yes, the standard yeah. offer. Standard Abuna, yeah. So the, the beauty almost of the look one identical. That, it's just the difference in the if you if you were to look at the bottle, the only difference I think would be the 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 the, the label. label. Yeah. Now the the Abuna is a much darker in color, but the the standard twelve year old gets there. Now the the bottle that Ryan has has an unbelievable amount of red apple to it and some baking spices, and yes. it is fantastic for this time of year. It is literally autumn in a glass, oh, and it is man. awesome. I love it. I'll have to get that one on the side. Yeah. But But what did you think of the Abuna Alba? So this is by far the fanciest whiskey I think we've had on here so far. Okay. Um, 
So Scott, yeah, it, it came in at what, 94 bucks. I think what I got it for. Uh, yep. Ryan said it was running up to 150 where he's at. Uh, it's, yeah. it's so it's, it's 115 before tax and we have at least a 15% sales tax. So this is like, it's behind glass. You can't buy this. Like you have to special, like you have to go up and have them yes. remove it from the case. It's uh in, in Canada. I mean, liquor is a lot more expensive in Canada. Um, but yeah, this is, this is like the top shelf. Um, and I, and I couldn't, I, I almost, I almost pulled the trigger, but I was like, I'm not in a place right now to do that. So, I, yeah, no, no, I, 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 I can't blame you. Like, taste is ridiculously good. Um, like I was sitting there, I was looking at the uh, the Aberlauer and mm-hmm. the the twelve, and then the uh, Aberlauer uh, Abuna, and the uh, twelve was like fifty four bucks. This was ninety four, and I was like, oh, I wonder if they're the same. And then, like, I talked myself into it at the store. They ended up having it. Well done. And I, I, I'm glad I did. So, um, yeah. So yeah. On the fancy part, like, so it's the tops covered in wax, right? And there's not even like, like on maker's mark, you know, they're covered in wax, but you still got to rip the thing off. Right. There's not even a thing to rip off. Like you got to cut into it or you got to manhandle it and just twist. Well, uh, I mean, it's not a twist off though. If you're a man, it is, (laughs) (laughs) but fair enough. Fair enough, but then you get a question. Are they are they are the tops are like so the tops on all of the twelve years are mm-hmm. actually and nobody can see that uh, on the show here right now, but it's a cork, but the top is actually a real hardwood. Yeah, correct. And it's an end grain hardwood, and and every single one that I've gotten is different, and some of them have really cool grain patterns. Every every single like top is completely different, but they're I think they're all from the same type of wood. As far as I know, but um, they're all unique. Which is this one looks like it's like an oak top. I'm yeah, peeling yeah, the wax probably. off it now. That makes I, sense. I, it could be a bog oak, given the area of um, where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so, do you like it, Colton? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, as far as this whiskey goes, <laughs> so I mean, literally, I, so it's what sixty percent or what? Yeah, sixty percent. So, 60%. like one hundred and twenty-one point eight proof. Correct. Woo, that's and, spicy. And it's so light in color. Like as soon as it touches your lips, like the first time it, my lips went numb, like mm-hmm. a little bit. Right. And it's like, it's like so a, just like a, a good bump, you know? And it, I don't know, like, like it, it's got a real strong boozy punch off the front, but it's really in like a smooth kind of way. Like, all right. So pretend you've never heard of Clifford, the red dog. Big red dog, right? Okay. Or did you okay. never heard of it, right? And you're just like walking your normal sized dog down the road, and you see Clifford the big red dog running towards you, right? It like this T Rex sized animal, and I mean it's happy dog, but like mm-hmm. it, it's it's freaking horrifying, right? And yep. overwhelming, overwhelming. But then it gets up to you, man, and, and it's a, it's this little it's a little pity. He's just a little puppy. Like you just want to pet, you want to pet him, and and you throw a stick, and he, I don't know, goes catches it or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's what this whiskey's like. Honestly, it it, it like at first it, it's a, it's a big punch, a big boozy punch, but then it it's amazing how it kind of smooths itself out, right? Mm-hmm. And it is absolutely amazing. Um, 
I'm a big fan of it. I'm going to keep this one on the shelf. This is not going to be a one week and done one. Yes. Um, I actually you're going to go buy the 12 year to. Yeah. Yeah. For the daily drinker. There you go. And I actually um, have, I have two quick stories about the Abuna. Uh, Number one, when both my young kids were teething, um, I used to take the Abuna on my finger and rub it on their gums. And and both of my, yeah, both (laughs) of my kids literally would like, they'd be like, Oh, my gums don't hurt anymore. And they'd look at me and be like, ah, like open their mouth for more. And I was like, (laughs) okay, Uh, my kids are trained well. So uh, yeah, they, number they, two. Did, they did that. They did that for all of us when we were teething, when we were kids. So Me too. That, yeah. that, that's yeah. our generation, though. So did yeah, you gar- but it was garnished with an orange not, slice. Add some bitters. Maybe <laughs> the difference is you weren't typically doing it with 120 proof whiskey. But either way, yeah. Uh, so the well, other fun story. It made my lips literally numb. Like it's, it's not exaggerating there. Yeah. So or shine. They were doing yeah. shine. Yeah, you can do it with some shine. So I happened to have been in New York at one point and I walked into a bar that a friend of mine owned, an Australian guy. And I walk in, he's like, Ross, I got a problem. I'm like, what's that? He's like, I got two batches of Abuna. Can't combine them. Don't have the back bar space. So we got to drink them. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm the man for the job. So he literally starts pouring uh, and he pours each of us a glass and he takes two sips. He's like, oh God, I need a chaser. And he gets the biggest oh. red wine glass I've ever seen. And it's like a fishbowl with a stem. And he pours an entire bottle of Australian red wine into this. And he keeps sipping on that. And I don't realize that he's no longer sipping his whiskey, but he is topping off my glass every time I get close to finishing. (laughs) And I finished both half glasses of 121, 120 plus proof uh, cast strength, non-chill filtered whiskey on my own. And... I was like, Josh, I really need to eat something. I am snockered. He's like, I was like, but I'm trying to stay, you know, carb free at the moment. He's like, I got you covered. He comes back with some tuna tartare. I'm like, what the hell is this going to do? He's like, I don't know. You said you didn't want carbs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I ate like two bites of it and I'm like, no, I'm good. So this is like two in the morning. That's not, that's not the food you eat when you need to uh, soak no. up the booze. Man. No, no. no. You need carbs. Uh, yeah. yeah, you, you need, need to come to Canada and get a poutine. Exactly. Yeah. So I literally make it back to my hotel, and I remember I was swaying trying to pack my bag because I had to be at LaGuardia at 5 a.m. for a 6 a.m. flight to go home. And I was like, I'm going to pack my bag, and I'm going to go to sleep, and then um, I'm going to be just fine. And somehow... I actually got up in time to make my flight. I don't know how, but I get to the airport and I'm like, awesome. I made it through security. I'm going to get on the plane and I'm going to sleep all the way home. And I got on the plane and the the engines turned on and started rumbling. And I was like, Oh, I'm too drunk to sleep. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) And so, yeah, I'm totally 10 sheets to the wind at this point. Still I get, yes, it's still, cause I've only slept for like an hour and a half at this point. Oh, and so yeah. I That's get home. High, bud. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Maybe I literally one. land, I get in a cab, I get home and I walk in and my wife was like, wow, you look like hell. Our daughter's been teething all night. Have a good one. And she hands her over and my wife disappeared for like seven hours. And you can't say <laughs> I was like, at that point. You can't exactly. say I was a hundred percent. And I, I learned my lesson. If I'm flying home the next day, don't stay up all night drinking cast strength whiskey. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Well, I, I'm I really have, excited I, to have this one. Myself. I, 
I have too many of those stories from my my um, athletic days, but uh, maybe that's for another time. Because I'd like to hmm. share a little story about the Abalor. I'm sorry, I'm not pronouncing it exactly. Lower, good. Lower, right? Um, yeah. So Lauer. Um, I was a Glenn Fittich guy. Yep. Um, I, I love Glenn, and Fittich, I really, yeah. I really loved it. So, uh, and I still like it. Okay. Um, but the, in Canada, the the twelve year Abelor and the the the, the Glenfinch twelve year is the same price. So I was looking for something in that price range, and my buddy was like, "Well, have you tried this one?" And I said, "No." So I tried it, and I was like, "Wow, I'm not a big fan of the super peaty um, whiskeys or nope. scotches. I, I, too smoky for me. Uh, it causes a lot of heartburn." So this one is very like light and fruity, but it still has that mature, um, strong taste that you're kind of looking for um, with being kind of fruity. So it's kind of like a little bit of everything for me, at least uh, in my palate. And um, I was like, why do I like this so much? Why do I like this so much? So um, I have have I have a trip planned with my friend um who's also a scotsman um we want to go to scotland but we also want to go and watch the dart world championships in england so we want to do a, a little bit of everything when we go just because you know it's it's a quite a far trip and um so i started googling apple or distillery uh, where, where is this distillery so i checked it out and then i'm like wait a minute the mccallan residence is literally across the street Yes, it is. So I was like, oh, my God. So everything that's made with Aperlor is mm-hmm. made from. So, And I've only had a few Macallans in my life because obviously they're not the cheapest. Thing. I didn't buy a bottle. I've, I've had glasses of it. And I'm like, now I know why I love it. Because if you've understood Scotch, um, they make everything they don't import things. They make them from the everything within the area that they have. So all of the ingredients come from that like plot of land or larger plot of land. So there's a term for that in bourbon, right? Sorry to cut well, you off. But... Bourbon, bourbon is, is made primarily in Kentucky. Wrong. Well, I mean, it, it it's, it's, it can be made anywhere in the United States. Volume-wise, you have a large percentage coming out of Kentucky. Right. You have a massive percentage coming out of Indiana. Uh, and then there's a bunch from all over the rest of the state. It's kind of but more yes. the geographical location. Yeah. But yes. Well, I, but, I would say, yeah. well, I thought there was a term for like uh, kind of your farm to table, whatever you're talking about, like where everything the, is in estate the Estate bourbon. Estate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, that's yeah. what I was going for. Yeah. And I mean, scotch is only made in Scotland and it's only because it's – it's made in Scotland. You can't call it Scotch if it's made in anywhere else. Japan, yeah. And there are some very good whiskeys coming out of Japan. Yes, like there are extremely good ones, um, like crazy, crazy good ones. And Japanese, they really know how to make things, all the way mm-hmm. from carpentry to carpentry to Scotch. Yeah. Um, so Dude, I, I got introduced to a, a Japanese Scotch. I didn't get to try it, but um, when I was at the liquor store, I was talking to the guy for a while about the Abina, Abuna, and. Um, he showed me uh, one from the Suntory. It's called Owl, like A O. 
Yep. It, it's like their word for blue or something. Um, uh, are y'all familiar with that one? You say it was. Seen it, like, I haven't tasted it yet. He said it, it, it's like a co- combination of like whiskeys from all around the world. Like, hmm. um, yeah, it says it on the bottle too. It was like, um, yeah, they, they had whiskeys from. We we don't countries. have many many whiskeys from Japan here in Canada that are under like one hundred and sixty dollars a bottle. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, we had a beaky one week, um, which I'll- I miss ABC liquor in, in um, Florida when <laughs> I used to live there because there were some really good deals on some of this kind of stuff. Like, I, I'm sure I'm not sure how much you guys pay for this 12 year. It's usually about 55. Yeah, it was like 54 okay, so at, the, at the store. It's, day. it's not that far off the price here, but there's some that like that are just so different, like um, like a bottle of Grey Goose, for example. The the like if I buy it there and I and I bought twenty of them and I paid the duty to come across the border, I'd still save money. Yeah, man. And yep. actually, if you're in New Hampshire, I don't know if you guys know New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. The liquor depot, no tags. Yep, that's where you go. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm not familiar. Fun fact: the uh, the country of Canada is the largest single buyer of spirits in the world. It what? is. Yeah, mm-hmm. <clears throat> because it buys as a single entity for all the the liquor stores that are owned by the country. We huh. are the state state of Pennsylvania is the second largest buyer in the world. That, 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 that is a good nugget. You know that could come up on a Jeopardy question one day or something. It could. <laughs> yeah, that's good to know. And, and and now you know. Yeah, and, and knowing is half the battle. All right. So last <laughs> thing on the Abuna. So, uh, Abuna, Abuna, yeah, I'm at the, you have to correct me some more (laughs) going forward. So the, uh, so it is a sin to mix this in a cocktail. However, for the sake of science, we had to push on to move forward. And so I I still got a touch of it left right here. I did. Uh, so I I called my buddy, Alex, uh, he's my, my local cocktail expert and um, he he gave me a few good suggestions, and I picked one, and um, it's actually a cocktail called the penicillin. Yep. Oh, penicillin. my God. I got a good story of that. <laughs> Excellent. Which um, well, I mixed it up a little bit, you know, um, one, because I didn't have honey ginger syrup, and then two, because we got our, our good Quebec buddy here with us, too. So, um, you know, it's a... Uh, Primarily the scotch, and then you got uh, some lemon juice, um, and then instead of the honey ginger syrup, I put just you put in poutine. <laughs> uh, I put in a little gravy and cheese. I put in some <laughs> more of the uh, crystals, uh, uppity um, uh, organic maple syrup, like glass bottle maple syrup. But it, it, it was from Quebec. I, I hope so. Um, I need to go check. I, I, I have so no not, idea where it's if from. If not, it doesn't count. It, it, no. The only other one that comes close could be Vermont. All right, yeah, I need you to send me some of that. And then um, to to combat the ginger, because I, I felt like it needed some spice to balance out like the, the lemon the yeah. acidity and stuff, It um, I I put just a splash of ginger beer in there. Okay. Yes. And, and did it uh, dandy? Oh, it, it dandy. It, I'm really impressed. Like, I, I was telling Crystal, I was like, hey, I just made a cocktail with 
uh, maple syrup, lemon, and ginger. And I think you're going to love it. And yeah. And especially with this whiskey or this uh, scotch having like such like that, that boozy punch to it, but it not being like, I don't know, overly bold or need to be covered up. I feel like it was perfect. It, 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 it added a lot to it. And then I garnished it with a, one of those black cherries, which was Luxardos. Yeah. Which was not in the, uh, Oh, the recipe, but I, I'm, I'm it's a, worth it. I'm a rebel. <laughs> so, Wait, so my a friend, right, a friend what, what of were you talking about, about a penicillin? So my a friend of mine, um, I, I was, I was an athlete with him for, for many years. Um, but he moved on before I did and he became a, a quite a famous mixologist. Um, then when we went to the Olympic games in London, so the year before the Olympics, uh, they always do what's called a test event. So you go to the city and you tour it and you kind of get familiarized with the city. So we went to London and, um, we did a bunch of activities, but then one day we had a kind of free day and he's like, Hey guys, cause I, I, I'm just in town. I'm like, okay. Why are you in town? He's like, yeah, I'm doing some stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm working at a few bars here and there and making like drinks for like whatever. So he's like, Hey, do you guys want to go on a tour with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. So a couple of us went with them. We did some oysters and stuff like that. And then he's like, Hey guys, we're going to go to this bar. Um, it's a private club like a, like an extremely private club called mm-hmm. a player player club in London. Like you, you got to know somebody to get in. Oh no, no. You, you have to have a, a, a membership, but somehow oh. he got us in. Okay. Like the drinks, like the cheapest drink was probably 38 pounds. Which is like a $50 drink. Yes. Right. Oh. So, and I had two. Because <laughs> you had to, but I went in and I was like, I'm not feeling good. Like you know, like I, I just, we just finished racing the world championships, and then I was like, I was tired, and uh, and uh, then we did all these activities. I'm like, man, I'm... but I'm like, you know, I'm a champ. If you've seen that Maker Camp, you know, I'm a champ. So I, yeah. I was like, all right, all right, let's go. And I so did. what what can I do? My buddy's like, if you're not feeling great, let's take a penicillin for you. So okay, what's a penicillin? He explained it to me j- just like you kind of did. And I took this drink, but it was, you know, you say you use Abernath, Aber, Aber, Abuna, Abuna, sorry, Abuna with a a mixed drink. And and it can be a shame, but it also can be a blessing because it's such a good alcohol that if you mix it properly and mix it right, then it's okay. So they used a very, very high end, um, I believe it was a bourbon when I was there and they mixed that up for me. And when I drank it, I swear to God, after the first one, I thought I had just taken like the epiphany of like the best medicine I've ever, I've ever had. So I took the second one. I took the second one. (laughs) It lived up to the name. And I spent the rest of the night with the team. And I think I went home at two o'clock that night. And when we were at the player, it was at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Well done. So so actually the beauty of a properly well-mixed mixed drink can be quite a powerful thing. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. 
Um, just to keep things moving along, uh, Colton, let us revisit the peerless Kentucky straight bourbon for next week. And, uh, that'll be the whiskey of the week for next week. Um, but I wanted to jump on to the nugget of the week. Oh, and Ryan, uh, just so you know, a nugget is either some information that, or advice you would give to yourself when you were first starting out in woodworking with the knowledge you have now. Or any information or advice you would like to give to all the young woodworkers out there. So if you want, feel free to think about it while we kind of give ours. But um, does it, either one of you gentlemen have a, uh, a nugget you'd like to share? Yeah, if not, I, I can a, kick it off. I got a nugget. Um, all right. Actually, so I'm wearing my overalls today because it's a little chillier, which I feel silly saying that it's chilly in texas when we got a a chicagoan and a canadian here but uh i got three inches of snow on the ground brother what (laughs) i wore i wore shorts to work oh i i i I saw it was 40 degrees fahrenheit and i was like oh man it's getting cold (laughs) my kids were in their snow suits doing trick-or-treating last night man oh same here it snowed for us yeah well Okay, well, I, I have a small heater in my shop just to get the okay. temperature, just to break the edge when it gets too cold to pour resin, really, or okay. when it gets too cold to pour resin efficiently, which also hearing you say that you pour resin at 60 degrees blows my mind, by the way. Depends on I, I, some resins I needed at, at like 75 degrees. Okay, yeah. At 70 to 75 is my sweet spot. Okay, so my nugget, air, oh, shoot. It's uh, actually in the front pocket of my, my overalls here. And it's um, it's very simple and very cheap, but it was a big deal for me. Like, um, So normally I wear an apron in the shop, right? And it mm-hmm. serves as uh, – keeps my dust off my clothes. And the, it also is my tool belt, right? Like you got mm-hmm. like your chest plates where you keep your pencils and, and whatever, other tools. And I keep this razor blade in there. And most razor blades you buy from like a big box store are going to be like, I don't know why they make them so fat, right? Like, uh, like your job site razor blades where like they have a storage in the back where you can keep a bunch of razor blades in that. And like then, a box um, knife. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And then, um, you know, there's different ones. But this one is, um, which I should make a reel about this, a quick one for the, for the Instagram. But like you see, it's stainless steel. It's very thin. Right. And it was like, what's the brand on it? Uh, work pro is the brand okay. and it is, uh, from Amazon. And it was like, I don't know. I, I like three of them were like 10 bucks and okay. like it, there's no blade storage, but I'm in a shop. I don't need a bunch of blade storage, storage of extra, but blades. like, uh, it's yeah. very simple to remove the blade and put it back on. And and it folds like that, and it's just a little like flip, hmm. and, so, lock, okay. and it. I use this thing way too much to not talk about it on here. Okay. If I had only two things I would carry in my everyday life, it would be exactly like that. I have the Milwaukee Switchback, yeah, which is very similar to what you have, but it's a little bit thicker, like you said, or a pencil. Those are the only two things I would carry because the box knife, it, it, it's. By far, one of the most used. I, I use it to open up edges um, for like because you want to open up the little cracks to make them bigger for epoxy, so there's more adhesion. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything. And then opening up packages, opening up everything. That's, that's Ad hoc circumcisions, whatever's needed. Absolutely. Yeah. That, actually mm-hmm. that I, I'm, I'm really impressed that you pulled that out because that's nice. for, for me, that's probably one of the, my biggest uh, everyday carries. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, always, I love it, man. I always have one too. Um, I have a little, I'll have a little Husky one a lot like that. It's the, and they're making them. They made just recently made a really small one. And they were on sale or two pack for eight bucks. Hmm. And it's, I always have it, always have it on me. That right. and a pencil. They don't have to be expensive they, to be, to be efficient. No. And yeah. then if you lose it, you're not like worried about it either. Exactly. Yeah. So I also have two other knives I always carry on me, but we can talk about those another time. Save it, save right. it for the next nugget. <laughs> Jess, you got you a got, nugget? Uh, so I taught my first woodworking class Saturday. Yep. Uh, I haven't Woo-hoo! talked about it. Hey, do, do the applause. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So it was extremely um, scary at first (laughs) for like five minutes. And then I was like, I've taught some, because I've had a lot of people come in my shop and didn't know much about woodworking. I already taught them. And I know what I wanted, the things that I've learned, the simple things, like how to mill a piece of wood and stuff. um, I really got into it. And they could tell that I was really into it. And they were just like, everybody's eyes were just like, nobody was looking around. They, this was free too. Yeah. They were in it. The only person who was looking around, there was a kid that had special needs. But I think that he uh, did enjoy it. He did pretty good, you know. Um, but we had women. We had a man that was over 70 years old. We had, you know, men that were in their 50s that had done carpentry before. We had a guy that was like a, like a, a framer. Uh, we had a lot of people. But um, we really worked on the basics core because like, what else are you going to teach Yeah, and explaining like how you buy wood and all this different stuff. So there was people that had framed houses for years, but they did not know about four quarter, six quarter, eight quarter. They didn't know about. That's one of the funniest things. eh? Flitch cut. They didn't know about. You know, when should I use veneer? When should I glue it together? They didn't know about the different types of glue. Uh, by the way, I did buy that type bond that glows under blacklight. Uh, nice. Oh, you did? The fast, Do you like it? It's fast set. Yeah, but it's only interior. So yeah. you just, you know, it has to be for something that's never going to, like, a, you couldn't use it on a Type bond 3 is one of my favorites for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I like the well, type bond dark too, but. Yeah, well, this is tight bond fast set. Yeah, no, I know, I know so, which one it is. It's yeah. I never used it, but uh, it worked. It worked. Cool. We glued that stuff up for maybe less than an hour, and we were able to plane it and do everything with it. It was really wild. you're working with so, it with under an hour. Ooh. Yeah, under an hour. I've, I've heard so, some debates on that, but yeah, I mean, well, on the bottle it, it says thirty sharp, minutes. So. Well, it says fifteen minutes clamp time, right? But um, you wait thirty minutes, you're probably good then. Well, it was it was an hour or so and before we really did anything with it, and I could tell that it was dry in the glue joints. But you know, it was just circuitry board. I don't know if I do that with a table, but you know, maybe some joints or something. Yeah. Anyway, um, so my <clears throat> nugget, as I slowly get to it, is go and take a sh- class, even if it's like a, a woodworking one hundred and one class or whatever, because I guarantee you, no matter how long you've been doing it. There's, you're going to get something out of it, especially from a woodworker. If you'll just open your ears from somebody that's been doing it long enough, Amen. Uh, you will learn something. I mean, I took a woodworking one-on-one class and I had built, 
probably two or three hundred thousand dollars in furniture by that time. And I went into it going, you know, this lady's it was a woman too, and she was she was British and she had made all this stuff over there and differently. You know, they they use hand tools and all this different stuff. And she talked about all of it. I'm like, I didn't know any of this stuff. I just buy the stuff from Millet and you know, glue it together in it. And, um, it really made a big difference. I'm like, I was doing something. I'm like, Oh, that's why this is going on. I remember she said so-and-so. So So go take a class, go take a class. There's always classes everywhere. Woodcraft always has classes Yep. and you can always ask. So I like it. That's my nugget. So I'm just going to interject quickly on that. And, um, I, I, I obviously went to two Olympic games. So you would think that I'm like one of the like higher end kayakers in Canada. Um, one of the key things that got me to where I was, was I listened to every single coach. I listened to every single person about technique, about weightlifting, about everything. I took every single bit of knowledge in. I think the smartest person in any of their crafts are the ones that listen to everyone. Even through the, like the, the, the wood whisperer or, or their, mm-hmm. the, the, the guy with 200 followers is just struggling we all have good ideas and some people are more creative than others, but they just don't have the reach. We listen to everything. You're going to learn better. I think that's the, the, like the, probably the best advice to take a course, even if you're a, a, a veteran or if you're not, I, yeah. I really like yeah. that. Jess, I really like that. That's good. That's yeah. a good one. Jess. Yeah. Ryan, do you have a nugget you want to share? I do. Um, for me, um, I think that one of the biggest things that has always been a kind of struggle for me is when I had a project. So I talked about this a little bit further back. When I have a project that I wanted in my, like to, to do in my mind, and I'm like, well, I don't know if it's going to work out or I don't know if I can do it. And I don't know, like well, does that tool work? I know I could probably use that tool. You know, all these things that go through your mind when you're trying to decide if you want to do a project, the the best thing that I've ever done in my career, and, and I could sit here and say like, oh, just fail. Like that's the things we always say because we know failure is part of it. You have to fail. Accept mm-hmm. the project you want to do. Accept the fact that you're probably going to fail on it. You're probably going to make mistakes. And go forward with it because of all the projects that I have taken on that I thought might be a little bit ridiculous or a little bit, and and I like to do ridiculous things, um, I've actually succeeded in and I've made them successfully. And I think that if I just didn't do that, I would have been sitting in my shop watching TV and doing nothing all the time. So... For me, tackling a project that you might be scared of, or that 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 also can transfer to um, social media. So I looked back a year ago, uh, actually two days ago, I looked back and I was like, "Man, my social media sucked compared to now." But we learn because yeah. I'm currently trying to tackle long format videos on YouTube. And I'm like, how do I approach that? And I, I, I'm overthinking everything. And I just realized, well, when I came on Instagram, I just started just posting stuff and I learned. So why don't I just do the same on YouTube? So just stop overthinking things and just tackle them and learn from 
successes, failures, mistakes, learn from everything. Just move forward with the projects you want to do and you will succeed in your own time frame, your own format. I think that's the most important thing with any maker, woodworker, epoxy enthusiast, it doesn't matter. Um, don't be scared to tackle the projects that you might think could be something special. Okay. Hell yeah. Jump in. That's what you're saying, right? I've, I've, I've jump in. Hunt, my jump in, like jump, jump in head first when your parents say you should always go feet first. Jump in head first, man. I've learned more from my mistakes than I have from doing it right. Oh, I, listen, in my la- athletic career, I have, uh, that's, that's what people, you know, oh, you went to two Olympic games. I have lost more races than I could ever have won in my life. Okay. I've lost more than I've ever won. Hmm. I have learned way more from all the losses than I've ever learned from the wins. Learning how to lose and learning how to accept failure and learning how to learn from that failure is how you succeed. Yeah. And nobody that becomes, why do Olympic champions fall more often than not? Because they're, they're satisfied. They're where they, they're, 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 they think they're the best. You're never satisfied. But as a, as a younger and hungrier. Exactly. But as a woodworker, it's kind of an interesting, um, area because you can be like i'm the best at hand tools now i want to be the best at this there's always avenues so you can learn how to to like diversify diversify, exactly diversify your um your skill set and then bring all those things together to become a better worker on any project you want to do so i i I think that that just the bravery you know okay let's 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 boil it down to this because you're if you're if you're scared everyone's scared to do things and and you can say i'm not scared i'm not scared but why won't why don't you do it being scared is okay but you're not brave unless you pass that level that 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 barrier and you move forward to do the things you want to do so yeah do not allow your 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 fear to of, of new projects or new skills or new anything to ever push you backwards. That's like my it. nugget. Yeah. Very good. It's a good nugget. Um so my nugget kind of ties off of learning from your failures. Uh today I had to pour some epoxy, and I don't do epoxy a ton. I had to pour some epoxy into some checking on a table that I'm making, the spalt maple table. And the ends of the table are not squared off. I was going to do it after I did the epoxy pour. But I realized as the epoxy was starting to leak out from the tape that was unevenly pushed onto the ends of the table, that I really needed to have squared up the table beforehand so that I could have gotten a flush seam for that tape. So I know already some of the, the epoxy has leaked out. I'm going to go in in the morning and probably see, you know, uh, probably a liter, not a liter, um, at least 12 ounces of epoxy just sitting on the floor. So uh, I'm hoping to be able to salvage some of it, but learn from the mistakes. I should have squared it out beforehand, and it is what it is. Wait, so, are you doing it? Do you want to tell? Do you want to? Oh, you, you sorry, Ryan, Ryan, you go ahead. You want a quick tip? Sure. 
So I've dealt with this many times. Okay, sorry, uh, called to cut you no, off. You go ahead. You go ahead. Um, but this is something I was just dealing with like yesterday too. Especially if it's a light wood, is it maple or something like that? You know, it's vaulted uh, maple. So yeah. if it's a like, I typically use a lot of black epoxy because black. That's what this is. Yep, I, I figured it was. It will bleed. So what I typically do is I will square it off. Okay. And then I will take a, I, I use a lot of the wacko lacquer, like just yeah. like a, it's like a, a spray lacquer yeah. and I'll do two or three coats on all of the areas outside and inside of where I'm going to spray uh, or pour the epoxy. Then oh. I will put the tape. Okay. So what that does is that, that, that stops the bleeding, but because the, the, the lacquer is such a thin coat and it actually kind of raises the grain a little bit. Yep. There's still good adherence. Um, That's good to know. So, and then when you take the tape off, all you have to do is set the tape and a little bit of the, um, but you have to, do, if it's especially on the end grain, you have to really seal it well um, to, to make sure there's no bleeding. And then you actually can end up with a really clean uh, uh, sanded edge on your on your the end of your and looks end like of your a, table. Yeah. Um, a lot of work to do tomorrow then. Uh, for uh, yeah, but uh, man, uh, listen well, yeah. for 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 anybody that's listening and for you too, reach out to me on Instagram if you have any of these issues um, with epoxy or you have a question. I, I'm there for anybody. I, I pride myself on being open to the community and um, trying to help everyone. So it goes for the three of you guys, but also for anybody, any of your listeners that want to um, have a little bit of advice or just want to bounce an idea off me. So yeah. I love that. Thank you. Thank the, you. The other thing I was going to say you can do on that ingrain, I've had that where you had a crack, you're going to cut it off anyway after Yeah, you can caulk it right at the end. With anything. Too, yeah. You can just caulk it and like get like really goopy, like thick caulk, let the caulk dry. And then you can pour, make like a little yeah, a little thing that comes up and then you can just cut it all off when you're done. I actually hmm. make um, HDPEE, HDPE L, L bracket. So I, I'll cut like, yeah. I'll cut like kind of like, I don't know, like kind of boards, I guess, what of HDP. And then I'll put them together with like pocket holes. So like they make like an L bracket for like the edges of tables. And then I will like silicone them and clamp them onto the tables that yeah. are bigger than the cracks. So I had taped the the top of the table and flipped it over and went to pour from the bottom so that it was flush on the top. Okay. And the ends of it just weren't squared off. So unfortunately the tape didn't adhere correctly and I could see it spilling out the sides. So I, I have another thing I just tested. I, I, I actually never told anybody this yet. So this is like the one-off. Um, Exclusive. Yeah, this is actually exclusive. So we just tested this, and actually, I just realized it worked. So what I did was, um, if you'd pour a deep pour epoxy in a crack in a hole that has like a small opening on the ed edge or side of a table, it, if you just put like tuck tape, yeah, the weight of the epoxy will push it out, and it will eventually leak. Right. So what I did was I took a quick set epoxy, like a. Like a, a high performance uh, total boat, like a, a with the fast hardener, yeah. And put your tape on, tape it on the bottom, tape it up to side, and then put put your epoxy like on the tape on the outside. 
Okay. Okay. So you you actually epoxy on the wood onto the tape, and then back off onto the wood. So it kind of huh. it kind of creates this like more stronger barrier. Yeah. And I don't have as many leaks. Um, so I'm always trying to create situations where I can do things quicker without having to, like, I have to if I don't have to go out and like cut a bunch of pieces of HDP and then like, well, that doesn't fit to that table, but it fit to the table before, and or like doing um, melamine to just, just for a small crack or hole. Yeah, it's a waste of time, and so this is an easy way. So try that. Try doing a quick, but it's a it's an extra like day of work. Yeah, but it does not lose you your epoxy. And um, I did it. I did it uh, yesterday, the day before yesterday. So now my 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 thick set is like on an inch and a half on a small hole. Is yeah. didn't leak out. We tested on another one. I just poured it and left work today. So we'll see tomorrow if it works, man. This is going to be something we're going to do a lot. Um, I like it. Yeah, I'm going to so follow you're up. Basically with you tape, you're basically tape. You're basically epoxying your tape on the outside. Yeah. Okay. You heard it here, yeah. folks. Excellent. <laughs> heard it here first. All right. Well, we are just over two hours on this broadcast, <laughs> so I think it's we're it's going time straight for Joe Rogan to... on this one, baby. All yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, First and foremost, thank you, Ryan, for coming on. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, and we really, really appreciate your time. Oh, guys, I really appreciate you, and uh, thank you for having me. And um, well, it was a absolute pleasure. It, Ryan, awesome. the the Arcadian Canadian man, I'm I'm thankful for you too, brother. Thanks for being hmm. here, bro. I appreciate all you guys. This is cool. So, to all the listeners out there, be sure to hit that. Uh, Subscribe button, whatever uh, platform you're listening to this podcast on. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoyed every second of this episode. And if you didn't, please send all your complaints to our Iowa-based legal representation, Americana Legal Association and Pig Breeders, where their motto is, if things don't work out in court, feed them to the pigs. For Jess, Colton, and Ross, this has been the Beat Around the Bench podcast. We will catch you all next time. See you.